glad it's summer. All right. Me too. It's okay that if video announcements go sideways, that's okay. I don't even know how they do it. So they don't let me play at the buttons. If you're a child, uh, what's the age group? Fifth grade and under. I'm still being instructed. Fifth grade and under, you are dismissed to go to Children's Church. The rest of you take your Bibles, if you would, this morning. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. All right. How y'all doing? You having a good summer? Some of you don't. I don't know. Is it summer? Yeah, the round orange thing that we only see three months out of the year, that's the sun. And the sun usually shows up in summer. Now, you will know when it's not summer any longer because the round orange ball goes away and we don't see it for months. We become kind of a moldy situation, uh, kind of a mushroom. So just wanted you to know that. By the way, how many of you would like to know whether or not the person sitting next to you is secretly a singing artist? How many of you would like to know that? Just let me see your hands. Because I stumbled across something last Saturday that shocked me, and it... it, it, it shocked me to my core as I was sitting at a wedding in Harrisburg, Oregon, and all of a sudden this, this guy by the name of Warren, I don't know if it was, you know, I don't know what his group's name was. It was Warren and a guy, I think was the name of the group. And Warren Ulrich began to sing in a mic out loud on purpose, and it was really good. How many of you don't believe me? Warren, come prove him wrong. <laughs> He told me that I, would, I should never reveal that secret and never... So I'm not one to trust with secrets, dude. So it was a great wedding, guys. It was awesome. It was awesome. We're very, very proud of you guys and, and anxious and to watch you grow and watch little guy grow. It, by the way, if he acts up, it's Warren's fault. It's, your, it's Grandpa's fault. It's true. It's the bloodline thing and it messes you up. Colossians chapter 1. We are, uh, we are we're dealing with the gospel, and by the way, Amanda, you're going to have to be on your best behavior in the back. I know you're still asleep because it ain't noon yet, but uh, <laughs> we're going to jump through some of these notes real fast because I've I got something I really want to get to this morning. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Chapter 2, jump over there. Let me hear the, where are the, that's good. I like to hear, just wrinkle paper once in a while. There you go. So I know that you're still alive. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive. Everybody say captive. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. Drop down to verse 13. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision in your flesh, God has made alive together. Everybody say together. I cannot do it on my own. I have to be together with God. 
with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt. How many of you in this house this morning would really like it if I showed up at your doorstep tomorrow, kind of like, you know, like you've seen the ads and, you know, what it used to be, the publisher's clearinghouse. I don't know if they even have that anymore. But I showed up on your doorstep with a big blank check and I said, I'm coming today to totally pay all your debts. How many of you would let me in? Okay. Uh, how many of you, if it was more than just pay your debts, if I said, listen, I'm going to pay your debts not only for where you're indebted to right now, but I'm going to pay your debts so that you never have a bill again. I'll just cut. How many would let me in? Okay, good. Um, I'm not coming tomorrow, so don't get too excited. But um, that's what Jesus has done. Jesus came and he paid our debts, but he not only took care of what was past, but we've been learning that he's taking care of what's present and what's future? He is constantly, he, con, he once and for all secured our debt. Okay? You can't go in debt to him again. It's been paid. Now, how, how do you get in debt? You borrow something without a payment. Without having, that's how you get in debt. Well, Jesus, this is where believers get all messed up. Jesus paid the debt once and for all. Brother Bob, you can't go in debt no more. It's done. No matter what you do, now that's, that's going to scare some people. I'm not talking about living a vicariously sinful life, but I'm just telling you, you can't go back into debt. It's been paid for. Now, you can fall out of relationship, but you can't go back into debt. Once you receive the check that's at the door, you say at the door, yeah, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and he who opens the door to me, I'll come in, we'll sit down, we'll have fellowship, and we'll take care of the matters. Amen? And so that, that debt has been paid. Now let's keep reading. We've got a lot of reading today. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Go to verse 19. Not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments. Everybody say ligaments. I just like the sound of that word. Ligaments. Just turn to your neighbor and say ligaments. Isn't that the coolest word? Ligaments. Okay. <laughs> so we're going, what's a ligament? Um, I don't know. It's in your leg somewhere. Um, through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. One of the things that we're wanting to make sure that, that both, both campuses understand as we're heading together more and more to be one church, two locations, is this. Growth is not a program. I need to say that again. Growth is not a program. Growth does not depend on how slick we are up front. Growth does not depend on whether or not the announcements are botched. Growth does not depend on whether everybody in the worship team sings on tune. Growth is not dependent on anything other than being in Christ, hearing Christ, obeying Christ, and let the growth come in Him, and growth is automatic. 
We are quickly moving in the church world, and I, we, we're, we're seeing it happen all around us. We, as you know, we have a lot of uh, family involved in ministry throughout, throughout the Northwest. And one of the things that we're finding is this. The church of Jesus Christ is becoming impatient with growth that is in God. They want growth, but they don't want God. You hearing me? And I want to make sure you understand, I don't want growth that bad to forget God. The growth that we're looking for on both campuses is this, is people who have not known Jesus Christ, who are in debt up to their eyeballs in sin, that they would come to know the great deliverer, be set free, and start the growing process in God. Start the journey. And the growth that comes after that is people's hearts expanding in their understanding and knowledge of God. That, to me, is true growth. Now, let's just keep reading. That was a little bunny trail. We like bunny trails, don't we? He says, do, he says if with Christ, verse 20, you died with the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit? Now, listen to this. This is going to get crazy. Why do you submit to regulations? Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. And this sounds like a holiness convention right there, doesn't it? Come on. I'm going to get in your hip pocket this morning and steal some of your change. (laughs) Hang with me. These have indeed, now look at this, according to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance. Everybody say appearance. An appearance of wisdom in promoting, here it comes, self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value. Now look at this. They are of no value. No value. They are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Wow, what are you saying? You can look right, smell right, amen at the right time. You cannot touch, don't taste, don't handle, do all the right things, and it will not stop the inner cravings of your flesh and those things that keep you and God separated. What makes you grow in God is to be connected to Jesus. Now, we're going to jump I want you to we're going to jump in real quick. We've been teaching you that you're saved from something terrible to something glorious. I think we got that. I want to deal with the subject though this morning of redemption and freedom. And uh because of our time I I'm going to go through this real fast. Amanda just get that finger ready to go. Here we go. There's four areas of redemption that I want you to look at real quickly. Redemption comes in four, four stages. The first thing is that Jesus came to locate us and to personally inspect our slavery to Satan. Now, one of the things that, that, that we've got to communicate to the world, to our culture, to those around us is this, is that Jesus knows exactly where people are at. I'm afraid sometimes the church doesn't know exactly where people are at, but Jesus knows exactly where people are at. Now, we live in an area of Portland that I'm not going to go into it, but if you ever visit us, bring a gun. Because... 
We live in the hood. And uh, seriously, seriously, if you do not speak Russian or, or, or Spanish, don't come because you'll get lost. But I was in, I was in our, our local Safeway store, not too far from, from our house. And uh, so I'm standing in line the other night. And I, I can't even remember, what, oh, I went to get, I had to do honeydews all weekend, so I'm a little, little stressed. It was really horrible. Just share with you, Ron, it was carpet cleaning and painting. And How many feel bad for me yet? Anybody? Fine. So I'm standing in line, and this happens to me. I've told you about what happens to me on airplanes. Let me tell you what happens to me in grocery stores. I'm standing there. Minding my own business, got the cleaning supplies, a supply of popsicles to get me through the evening. I got everything going there. And this big, huge guy comes out. It's a long line. It's that Safeway is always long, I think, because they, they run metal detectors, make sure you're not stealing something. And so, you know, it's a long line of standing there. And this big, huge guy comes up behind me and he starts talking to me. He sees a magazine sitting there. And on the front cover is Michael Jackson. And he says... And it, on the magazine says Michael Jackson, you know, something about the king of whatever. And he says, hey, that guy wasn't a king. He goes, don't you think he was kind of a pervert? I'm going, well, uh, uh, I'm just getting some popsicles and cleaning supplies. And he starts this conversation with me like I'm his best bud. And I'm going, if I'm going to believe in the rapture, let it happen now. You know, because you don't want to, the guy's huge. I don't want to turn around and say, can you clam it up for a minute? I'm just getting some popsicles, you know. And so he starts telling me all about the things that are bad with Michael Jackson. So I finally, I'm trying to ignore the guy. I finally turned around, looked him in the eye and just kind of smiled, you know. And I could see he's high as a kite. I mean, he is wasted. His eyeballs are about this big. The pupils are, man. You can see the pulse in his neck. Just He's high. And you suddenly realize he doesn't even really know I'm there. I'm just kind of a blur in his vision and he's just yakking. And he talks. When I turn back around, he turned to the guy behind him and started in on Michael Jackson the pervert. I'm going, give that guy a break for crying out loud. But here's the deal. Jesus knows exactly where that guy is at. And I worry so, I'm concerned sometimes that the church doesn't know exactly where that guy is at. We kind of think that people are ready to hear our gospel. They're not ready to hear our gospel. Let's get real. They're not ready to hear our gospel. Jesus in redemption, there's four words to redemption. The first one is Jesus located us in our slavery. He located us. He came to where we were. That's why pretty soon you're going to start, and if you, if this is for the north side, this is something you better get used to. My family, excluding me, but my family is Christmas fanatics. They like to decorate, put lights up. It's just jingle bells from about October till after New Year's. I mean, it's just a bizarre, bizarre event. And, there, you know, my girls say, oh, Dad, it's a tradition to do this, this, and this. Every tradition costs me major amounts of money. And, I mean, you know, I'm wanting to end all traditions. I mean, I'm old. I don't, I, you know, I've got to retire someday. You know, stop it with the traditions. You know, oh, Dad, it's a tradition. You know, and all the traditions going on. But here's the deal. If Jesus doesn't come in the form of human flesh, he would have never located us. 
So that's the first thing. He locates us. The second thing is Jesus came to remove us to permanently set us free from our location. He came to transfer us from darkness into light. And that doesn't happen, friends, unless we receive it. Go to the next slide real quick, hon, and you're probably all right and real fast. Good luck. Number three. To set a captive free by the payment of a ransom. He locates us, he sets us free, and then he pays for us. By payment of a ransom. Jesus paid the price for you and I to be set free. Now church, I want you to hear this because I'm talking to a modern day church in a modern day culture that's been a little bit twisted by the culture most churches have and it's this, the gospel was not free. Oh, the gospel's free? I thought you said it was free. No, it cost Jesus everything about his life. He paid with His own blood so that you and I might be removed from our captivity. Our, number four, our freedom was purchased in order to return us. This is what I want you to pay attention to. In order to return us to the condition we were in before our captivity began. Jesus didn't just free us, but here's the point we're going after this morning. The next 15 minutes is this. Jesus freed us for a purpose. He set us free for a reason. Now, I want us to look very quickly this morning at at two different views of freedom. The first view of freedom is a humanistic view. And we we see it all the time, especially in our culture. We really begin to see it uh, really rise up in the 60s in the Western culture. And it has gained momentum in the last 30, 40 years where you hear there's always some group, whether right, left, in between, it doesn't matter. There's always somebody screaming about freedom. We want to be free. Set us free, you know. And uh, there's a humanist view of freedom. And it's this. Humanist view of freedom is a freedom from everything with the purpose to simply be free. Now, I'm a little different than you. Uh, there are certain things that I just let go of real easily and won't engage in conversation. But there's a couple of things that I will actively climb right in your, your space about. For instance, I, I don't mind going downtown Portland. Not a problem. But there's two people, two types of people in downtown Portland that I'm going to climb into their space. First of all, is the street guy who's screaming at the top of his lungs, repent or go to hell. You've seen him on the corner down there? I've offered to send him there. It angers me because that's not what Jesus would have done. Jesus, he walked with people. He got to know them. He didn't scream at them. You know, the ch- there's people in, in the certain segments of church that are thinking we got to scream at people to get their attention. I don't think you have to scream at people to get their attention. And I don't think you have to put them down to get their attention. 
The other are those who are constantly clamoring from free, for freedom from whatever governmental tyranny they think there is. Here's the problem with the, all those cries for freedom. is Why do you want to be free and what do you want to be free from? Well, now there's some of you in this room who have been under really rough situations in your life. Maybe you were from another country and you know what it's like to be under the thumb of a very horrible, horrible government. The problem is, and nobody, I mean, some of you have, have literally given major portions of your life for this, but hear me. In America, we don't understand the lack of freedom. And yet you hear the cry all the time, we need to be free. We need to, you know, peace now and freedom now. Well, freedom and peace from what? And when you follow the humanist view, you begin to understand that freedom becomes an end in itself, which results in boredom. If I was to simply set you free in this room and say, okay, as beginning right now at 1037 on August what is the day? 23rd. Yeah. <laughs> and say there are no more rules in your life. None. You are free from... You can do whatever you want. You would instantaneously go into boredom. So what do you mean? Listen. I raised three girls and I have three grandchildren. Yesterday I spent a good portion of the day with my grandson, which is unique because having girls and then an older granddaughter and a younger granddaughter, he is the only boy in the whole system, and he is spoiled beyond recognition. She did it, not me. His aunties did it, not me. Me, it's talking a lower voice, boy. But Papa, no, it's but Papa. You know, it's like, I'm, I am the voice of reason in his life. You know, every once in a while I just give him a forearm shiver, say, how did you do it? You like that? Yeah. You know, trying to get him to where, you know, a little bit, you know. Well, we're, we're, one thing I've learned with him in particular, he needs a very secure set of boundaries. Because if you do not give him a secure set of boundaries, he will burn the place down. Not only will he burn it down, he will delight in burning it down. This guy has got an imagination. Check this out. I, when, I, when I have one of them, we'll, we'll go, they want, Papa, their game is, let's go to Target. Or Target for some of you. Let's go to Target. He loves Target. For some reason, you know, he doesn't, you know, I was hoping he'd love a sports store. He likes Target. So we go into Target. He says, Papa, what's the budget? And I said, well, isn't that cool? They've learned. I said, the budget today is $10. Okay. So he's hauling out stuff that's costing $70, $80 because he doesn't read well yet. Is this in budget? No. But Papa, it does this, this, and this. It's G.I. Joe's. He's into G.I. Joe's. So we're hopping along. And so I'm suggesting now because it's after 10 minutes of shopping, I'm done. It's like, pick something, let's get out of here. And he says, no, we have to go to every aisle. Her influence. 
we're working on him on the five and done rule. Five minutes and done, you're out of there. <laughs> He's not getting it. So we finally, he finally, he says, I, I know what it is I want. I said, what is it? Oh, Papa, it's so cool. Let me show you. And he hands me, how many of you know about Transformers? I, I guess you've got to be, but those of you younger, you know about, I hope you're not playing with them, but that's okay, buddy. Um, Transformers, you know where the cars turn into robots or whatever. So he hands me this, this thing, and it's this big head, this thing, and it's a mask. With, this Transformer is called Bumblebee. You know, and it's got this suit with it. I'm going, dude, what is with this? Well, I will look good in it. <laughs> what about a truck? You know, boom. What about, you know, oh, I want to look good in this. And I, so here's, here's what I'm trying to get to. You remove all the rules and boredom will set in. And after boredom, we then reach for what is less than what we could have. He could have had anything in that range of money that we gave him, but he chose, I mean, he, what's he going to play with? He's going to put it on and go to bed with it on. I mean, because I think it looked like PJs or something, although he's in his pajamas all the time. A whole other issue. But um, you understand what I'm saying? Remove freedom. Remove, remove, if you were, just set you free and boredom will set in. Leave four or five five-year-olds in a room without any rules. Problems will arise. That's why God has got a, a, a boundaries for us in our life. For the humanist, each time he is freed from something, there arises a whole new set of problems. Why? It is never clear what the gained freedom was for. You know, I've been downtown and they're protesting something, and so dumb old me, I'll walk up. What are you protesting? Well, the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq, the war on 23rd Street. I don't know, there's just a war, and we're against war. Really? Why? Well, man, people get killed in war. <laughs> well, people get killed out on the, the highway. Are you against... You start engaging in conversation. They have no clue what they want to be free from. They just, oh, let's just get free. Let's be free from this and free from that and free, 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 free. And you realize they don't understand what freedom costs. And they don't know why they want to be free. The sad thing is, that's what's happening in the church today, is people want to be free from their bondage, but they don't understand when God sets you free from your bondage, it's for a purpose. We've got church loads, mega churches, Big churches, medium-sized churches, small churches, churches with five campuses and ten campuses and two campuses and one, and they're all over. And you ask the average churchgoer, why did Jesus set you free? I don't know. I just wanted to be free. I didn't like the bondage I was in. Really? Jesus always has a purpose for setting you free. Now, the biblical view of freedom, three things that we find in the Old Testament dealing with freedom. Number one, Exodus 10.3, we find that, that as Moses is leading the people out of, out of Egypt, he, steps, he makes this statement. He says to Pharaoh, he says, let my people go 
that we may that let my people go that they may serve me. God is speaking here and he says this, thus says the Lord, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me speaking to Pharaoh? Let my people go that they may serve me. The first reason that Jesus sets you free. And by the way, that word serve in the Hebrew is actually a worship word. To serve meant to go and to sacrifice and to and to worship the Lord. You are set free first and foremost so that you become a praise to God in the earth. Okay, you get that? The reason you're taken out of your bondage of sin is so that you can worship and serve the Lord. The second reason is found in Exodus chapter 20 verse 2. How many of you know what's in Exodus 20? It's called the Ten Commandments, right? Well, right before the Ten Commandments, God makes this statement. He wants them to enjoy the gift of life, so He makes this statement in Exodus 20, verse verse 2. He says, listen, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. And then immediately He goes into the Ten Commandments. Now, the commandments were not meant to be some type of don't system. Don't do this, don't do this, don't handle, don't touch. That's not what the commandments are about. The commandments are about this. I brought you out of the house of slavery. If you walk this way, you won't go back to slavery. It's a win-win deal. If you will just walk this way, and if you'll notice those are split in two categories, relationship to God and relationship to other. The first four commandments are relationship to God. The last six are relationship to people. And he says, listen, if you'll walk this way in your relationship to me and to people, you'll never go back into slavery. But instead, what people have done, we've done it over the years and all through the centuries, is instead of understanding that the commandments were simply placed to keep you out of going back into bondage and slavery, instead we've taken them and we've enslaved people with them. We've, you know, I love it when people, well, yeah, you know, I... I the guy, you know, the rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, well, why, why, do you, why should I have follow you? And he says, well, I haven't broken any commandments. You've got to understand how ridiculous a statement that is. I believe the guy. I think the rich young ruler hadn't. But you've got to see the group that's with Jesus. The disciples. Those 12 got several of the commandments on the critical list, man, in ICU. I'm telling you. Can you imagine the ridiculousness of that statement? Here's Jesus standing with the twelve. And Jesus says, why, why do you want to follow me? Well, I've not broken any of the commandments. And I can just see Jesus glancing over at Peter going, oh dear. And in Jesus' mind, I, I, I can almost hear, have you seen the crew you're talking to, dude? <laughs> These guys. I mean, they were just fighting five minutes ago on who's going to sit next to me. And that one over there called in his mommy. (laughs) Seriously, that happened. See, Jesus wasn't all tense about the commandments. Why? He understood the purpose of freedom and he understood how to stay free. If you want to stay free... 
and learn to live life at its fullest, you, you walk in the boundaries that God has given. True freedom has a purpose. It's just not freedom for something, but freedom to do or be something else. The commandments are a framework for where liberty is. The laws were meant to keep them free from bondage. I like Psalms 119.32 says, I run in the path of your commandments, for you have set my heart free. A free person has no problem with boundaries. Oh, let me say that again. A free person has no problem with boundaries. It's the person in bondage that doesn't like the boundaries. Psalms 119.45, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought your commandments. In the New Testament, and then we have the third, the third biblical view of freedom is found in Leviticus 25.10. Most of you know it is the year of Jubilee. Every 50th year in the Jewish calendar, they would have the year of Jubilee where all debts were let go and everybody was set free. But if you'll notice in the speaking of that, he says, now not only are you set free, but you, you help others get set free. And freedom, true freedom, is not simply for me to be free. But true freedom is, to, is for me to bring others into freedom. Now, two very New Testament. Everybody hit your neighbor real quick, if you could, please. Just go ahead, strike them once. Yeah, that wakens them up. The pain will keep them awake for a little bit longer. New Testament. Freedom incorporates the whole race. When you get into the New Testament, the apostle makes this, this statement. He says, listen, in Christ, there's neither male nor female nor Greek or Jew, but all are one in Christ Jesus. When Jesus came, he removed the boundaries of just a Jewish nation and he opened freedom up to the whole human race. That's the first concept that you'll find in the New Testament regarding freedom. The second concept you'll find is that you don't have to continue being a slave. I want everybody to turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 34. You hanging in there with me? It's August 23rd, the middle of summer. It's a little warm in here. It's a great place to be dozy. By the way, if your neighbor falls asleep, let them sleep. It's probably the only rest they'll get all week. Some of you don't believe me, but it's really true. Jesus answered them, verse 34, and said, Truly I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free... You will be free indeed. Now, you don't have, in the New Testament, you don't have to continue being a slave. You know why that's important to understand in the New Testament concept? If you go back in the Old Testament, what happened to Israel? They go into captivity and what? They're held in slavery for a long time. In the New Testament, the concept is this. Jesus has set you free so you can stay free. If he sets you free, you're free. The third concept here in the New Testament, and I want everybody to Galatians chapter 5. This is, not, this is, this is simply teaching you some very direct principles because once we hit September... By the way, how many of you would like to know what we're going to do September 13th? I'm not going to tell you about the name yet, but uh, the new name of the church is Bob's Big Boy. No, we have so many Bobs, we decided to go with Bob's. No... September 13th, we're going we're gonna, to we'll be the platform for the next six to seven weeks from there with, with different ones in the church teaching. 
but we are going to start a series of messages called Contending. We're going to call our church back to prayer. I mean serious prayer. Every service, at the end of every service during that time, will end with praying about the particular thing that we are setting forth. We're going to deal with it in basically these categories. A call to pray for a generation. We're going to deal with a call to pray for the nations. We're going to deal with a call to pray for the house, the home, and the family. We're going to deal with a call to pray for healing and deliverance. As we go through each of those areas, we're going to deal with a call to pray for finances. As we go through each of those areas, I'm, I'm getting jacked up about the Healing Deliverance Sunday because that happens to be my Sunday. Elizabeth, by the way, is going to be teaching on prayer in the home and family. You will not want to miss that, that message. Brian's going to be teaching on a call to a generation to pray for, the, for this generation. But in that whole process, friends, we're dealing, we've been teaching you all summer, getting you ready to understand freedom is for a purpose. You were called to more than just come and sit on Sunday morning. Yes. You were called to be extremely active in the kingdom of God to advance freedom wherever you go. Now, Galatians 5.13 For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I want you to go, man, if you're paying attention back there. (laughs) I want to talk about framework, and I'm going to to end with with this story. This is called the, the parable of the captive fish. Paul says we're called to freedom. And freedom has a framework. The framework of freedom is found in the Scripture. In truth, you cannot have freedom without truth. I'm just giving you a quick glance here. You can't have freedom without truth, and you cannot have freedom without love. The minute truth breaks down, you no longer have freedom. And the reason, you know why you can't have freedom without truth? Every person in this room, including myself, is we all go through times where we are not honest about who we are. You know, I, I, I grew up in a situation where they taught perfectionism. Um, you know, that you were supposed to live a life of perfectionism and you were supposed to confess all your known and unknown sins. I began to learn as I got older, growing up and, and dealing with this whole idea of, holiness, perfection, that it it really had some holes in it. And one of the biggest holes in it was this, about, you know, Lord, I come to you and I just confessed all known and unknown sin. Well, you did okay on the unknown sin, but you didn't do too good on the known sin. So what do you mean? The Bible says, who can know the heart? And about the time you think that you've got everything fine, God takes you a little bit deeper in his word, and all of a sudden you go, oh my, I'm messed up. That's why when Paul comes down the end of his life, you don't find him crowing and flexing his muscles about how spiritually smart he is. He writes to Timothy, he says, I am the chief of sinners. He knows who he is. See, sin disconnects you from yourself. You don't know who you are because of sin. But when you come to know Jesus Christ, he begins to give you the framework of truth so you can begin to understand, I've been set free from. 
I think it's really good when people testify or talk about their relationship with Christ. They need to, you need to understand, don't make it, don't leave people guessing. What were you set free from? Well, I was set free from this. Well, those are the things you know. And that's the minute you can talk about, I've been set free from this, this, and this. You then move greater and deeper into your freedom. The second framework of truth, of freedom, is love. Truth working in love. You can't have freedom with harshness. That's why you need to understand something. I know some of you may agree, may not always agree with everything you're hearing in the last few months, but I want, I want to assure you of my heart here. And it's this. I believe Christians should be people who people go, I want what's in that person. Wow. Man, I like hanging out with you. There's something different about you. That something different won't come with the harshness of the personality. Well, at our church, we don't do this, and we don't do that, and we don't do this, and you know what? We're all about holiness. Well, good, I will not be going to your church. I want to go to a church who already understands Jesus loves me, He's inside of me, and I'm different because of whose I am. There was nothing I could do to change myself. I was messed up. I was flawed. Still am. And the, every time I have a victory, the only way I can understand that victory is to lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, you know what? Christ in me, the hope of glory. I couldn't have got this on my own. In fact, I didn't have nothing to do with it. I was just sitting there one day and I'd been crying out to God, set me free and Jesus set me free. There wasn't anything I did. I think there's an arrogance that needs to be dealt with in our hearts, friends, that says, we did this and so look at me, I'm holy now. God says, no, 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 Jesus did it. Everything in your life is on the basis of the cross and if you can't walk in that, you're going to live a life of works and you're going to continually fail. So freedom has a framework. It's the framework of truth and the love. We are more than merely that which is on the surface. Now I want to read to you and, 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 and dear, you better come to give these poor people hope. It's really been interesting learning to trim down the, the time length of my message. I did some study on it. It says that the average here after 30 minutes, you lose them. And so, um, but see, I was raised in the old school, Brother Stricker. You, you, you kept boring until you struck oil. <laughs> and so I, I've hit a lot of oil these days. There once was a group of fish living together in a pond. One of these fish was not always interested in swimming. Instead, he spent a great deal of time reflecting and observing. I don't know how a fish reflects and observes, but hey. Soon he began to notice that there were creatures that walked on the land and birds which flew in the sky. He decided that he no longer liked living in the water because he felt terribly and horribly limited as to what he could do. So he called a meeting of other fish and told them what he had discovered. He told them that every time I look up, I see birds and there's these 
gigantic creatures walking around and they look happy and they look like they're having a great time. And he said to the other fish, if you will follow me, we'll leave the water and we will all be liberated. Some of the fish thought he was wise and following him out of their home. But as soon as they did so, they died. For a fish, true freedom could only be possible in the water. Freedom, friends, when Jesus redeems your life, true freedom can only be found in Jesus. Your whole life has to generate around Jesus. Not about your accomplishments. Not about what you've done to become a better person. Everything like that you are going to lay one day at the feet of Jesus. And it will mean nothing of, except this. Christ has changed you. The freedom that you found was within the framework of truth and love. Go ahead and start playing. I want you to stand. Freedom is a gift for everyone who lives within the proper framework. I, <clears throat> and I don't want this to be a, a political statement at all, but I do, I, I do think it's, it's relative to where we're at. One of the things that scares, that, that worries me the most, and the older I get, is I was raised by grandparents who, under, who, who had gone through World War One, World War Two. They'd sent their sons, my uncles, off to the Korean War. They'd grown up all their lives. You gotta understand, my grandmother, she was born she was born in eighteen ninety five. She witnessed the change from horse she literally went from horse and buggy to car. So I'll never forget in nineteen sixty eight we put her and my grandfather on a jet airplane for the first time to, to go back to the Midwest where they'd come from and to visit. She saw all these changes. It was a generation that never forgot what true freedom was. I'm very concerned about the condition of our nation and our church today because there are people in the church world that don't understand what freedom has been purchased not only through Jesus but by those who have gone before. And the framework of that freedom was truth. They stood for truth. In the face of communism, they stood for truth. In the face of all kinds of horrible stuff, they stood for truth. And you say, how could they get through the suffering? Because within the framework of truth and love, there's an understanding. God has set me free for a purpose. And if the purpose is suffering, I can handle it. If the purpose is this, I can handle it. Because this is the framework of freedom. It's truth and love. As we come into the fall year, not only is it going to be an important time for our church. I think it's going to be a great time for our church. You're going to start seeing the church grow. I'm just telling you this. I, just trust me on this. Just trust me. Hang in there with this. It's about to blow. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, staff meetings have gotten more intense. We're starting to argue a little bit. That means that, man, there's good stuff coming. No, I'm just teasing. But how many of you know, God is going to do something good. 
For those of you that have hung in here on the north side, I want you to hear this. God's going to reward you for it. You're going to see freedom come to people that you never dreamed would be free. And some of those people are going to be in your own household. Amen? I want you just to lift your hands all over the place. I'd like the guys to come that are who pray with people, brother, the Bobs, <laughs> if you'll come. And we're, gonna, we're just going to have people, if you need prayer this morning, if you're found in bondage, I want you to hear this as your hands are up and you're just surrendered to God. I want you to listen to this. You were released from sin. And sin is what causes bondage. Your bondage doesn't cause sin. Sin is what causes bondage. And if you want out of your bondage, the first step has to be a confession of your sin. And once you do that, God's ready to set you free. Okay? And I know this has been a little bit difficult for you to hear and understand today. But I want you to know something. You've been set free for a purpose. Galatians 1, 5, 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has set you free. Maybe you're just having a hard time with your freedom. I want you to know Jesus has set you free. Father, we look over this house today, Lord, with hands up. And I thank you, Jesus, that you set us free. Lord, that you did a work in our life. I thank you, Jesus, when I was bound and no longer could could function anymore, you came and you set me free. And then you put me in the framework of your truth and your love so that I can begin to function in you as I promise. Lord, all my life in you we live and breathe and have our being. My whole life is found in you. So, Jesus, I just thank you this morning. Lord, we look forward to the fall time, Lord. Lord, as summer comes to a wrap and comes to a close, we're looking forward to putting the pedal to the metal and seeing our campuses grow. Lord, once again, we pray over the Vancouver campus area, God. Lord, our job is to be principles of freedom, to be people who are saying, whom the sun sets free is really free. Lord, I just pray there will be a sense of freedom. I pray for freedom in our worship, God. I pray for freedom in our devotions. I pray for freedom in our relationships. Freedom in our families, God. Let freedom begin to be that thing that motivates us to serve you. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer for anything that you've gone through this week, whether it's sermon related or not, this is the time every Sunday morning for you to get special prayer. So if you want prayer, maybe you're sick in your body. Maybe you've just got financial problems. Maybe there's marriage situation. Whatever it is, you want prayer. I want you to come right now. Everybody just lift your hands one more time. If you need prayer, come on. Jesus, we love you. Come on. If you need prayer, come on. Come on. If you need prayer, this is the time to get prayer. Come on. Jesus, we love you. We're excited about you. Lord, as people come for prayer this morning, release them and set them free. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.